Welcome to The Real Enneagram, A Spiritual Quest, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. Join us as we experience the vital teachings of Enneagram expert Dr. Joseph Howell, clinical psychologist and author of Becoming Conscious, The Enneagram's Forgotten Passageway. Relax as you are taken beyond personality typing to The Real Enneagram, The Spiritual Development of the Soul. Welcome back to today's podcast entitled The Real Enneagram, A Spiritual Quest. This podcast is put on by the Institute of Conscious Being, and our speaker today is Dr. Joseph Howell, who is the founder of the Institute for Conscious Being. We welcome you back. I want to briefly introduce myself. My name is Erica Jobes, and I'm on the faculty with the Institute for Conscious Being and and have worked with Dr. Howell now for many years, and, and we have a great working relationship. So, Today, we want to revisit some of the fundamentals of the Enneagram as we begin to build up a bit of a knowledge base about the Enneagram so that we can learn some of the the deeper meanings Mm -hmm. of the Enneagram. But we've got to start with the basics first, the fundamentals. Right. Our last podcast, we spent about 30 minutes talking about uh, the Enneagram and how it's divided into three centers of intelligence. And then you gave us some information about the three centers of mm-hmm. intelligence and how they perceive the world differently, mm-hmm. how they enter through different portals of understanding and how they decipher their environment and, and all the things that are coming at us as humans. The mm-hmm. three different centers of intelligence basically perceive and interpret that data differently. Mm-hmm. So today what we wanted to do was to talk about one of the centers, the head center, mm-hmm. and the three different Enneagram, the ego types that reside within that head center. And you are going to take us through a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Before we go into too much depth about the three different uh, Enneagram types that reside in the head center, we wanted you to give us just a real brief recap of the head center itself, just a reminder of what we talked about at the last during the last podcast. Well, we have three centers of intelligence. We have the head center, the emotional center, and the body center. And all three of them are ways we interpret and move through the world. But there's one center that our ego has come to rest in, which will be in one of the three ego types of that center. Because each of the three centers has three ego types within it. The body center has the nine, the eight, and the one. The heart center is composed of the three, the two, and the four. And the mind or head center is composed of the six, the seven, and the five. Great. And so uh, before we begin going more deeply in the head center, remind us about the head center intelligence. The head center is the analytical and perceptual understanding of the world through thought and thinking. It is a very important uh, center of intelligence because we are the animal on the planet who most counts on thought as our way of negotiating the world. And thought and analysis of our environment is that which 
helped settle nations, found solutions and cures, and brought us to the moon and back. Great. So uh, there's three Enneagram types that reside within the center. Why don't you begin and tell us a little bit about each of those three types? Well, each of the types of the um, egos that are on in the head center have to do with most primarily how to deal with fear. Not that the other six types have no fear, but fear is the principal enemy of the six, the seven, and the five. They experience fear because as they were small, small children, when they were told that they could no longer be the way they came to earth, fear went through their bodies. And then after that, the mind thought of ways that they didn't have to experience fear in their bodies or in their heads anymore. And the way they decided to do it was through thinking their way out of fear. For the sixes, this is thinking their ways into security. For the seven, it is thinking of ways to vaporize fear through having good and wonderful pleasures. And for the five, it is analyzing fear away through the storage of knowledge and filling one's inner emptiness with information. For the five, the more information they have, the less fearful they feel. For the six, the more security they have, the less fear they feel. And for the seven, the more pleasure and wonderful experiences they have, the less fear they feel. All three of these types have their coping mechanism based on thought and how they use their brains to deal with fear. Great. That's a great introduction to this head center. So let's take a deeper dive maybe into the uh, type six. Okay. Type six is a, 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 a the person who, in my book called Becoming Conscious, is labeled um, the team player. Uh, this is a, a, a young lady or a young man or in the older years, uh, a person who is wanting to not upset the system but go along with it, to be a team player with it. Because to upset the system would be to bring attention to itself, possibly to have it be thought of as defective or deviant, and then to be rejected and cast out, which is one of its primary fears, is to be set out into the desert alone, away from the rest of the people to survive, And that's not going to happen for very long. So a community, a family, a pack, an organization is essential for a six. A team player can't be a team player without a team. So 
they look to that team, that family, that organization. And along with that, they look to the leader of that team. If it's a, uh, a pack of dogs is a good analogy, that pack of dogs is going to have an alpha, which is the top dog, the leader. And the six personality, because of fear and because of needing security, and to think that they are secure, will attach to a leader so that that leader will take them under their wing, protect them, and make sure that they're going to be okay and kept within the pack to ensure their identity, to ensure their safety, to ensure their purpose. Okay. So security is a big, big issue for the, the six. It's very important to the six, and, and security in all means, not just being in an organization or a family to give them security, but to have security through um, insurance policies, through uh, having enough money, through making sure that their job is secure, uh, through health and wellness, making sure all of that is attended to through their thinking and through their thoughts, that they are not going to be annihilated. They're not going to um, be cast aside or, or really wither away and die. Okay. And so during this deeper dive of the, the ego type six, what, what else do you want our audience to know about the six? I think it's important for people to know, and we'll get into this when we go into our much deeper dives later about the soul. But I want people to know that sixes were not born as fearful, analytic human beings who are security addicts. That's all a function of the mental egoic state of being that they set up as a reaction to having been told that they weren't okay the way they were. And how were sixes before they had the ego come into play? They were very relaxed, very sure of their environment, very okay with who they were and with everyone else. They were the consummate, relaxed little child who fit in and had great amounts of natural security. Their security was never even questioned. But when they were told they could no longer be that way, through parental voices, through shaping, through experience, they became an ego of a six. And I've explained to you what that ego is. Mm -hmm. They really, sixes, are trying to establish how they were as children through safety now. They think that the safer they are, the more idyllic their existence will be. Because they know deep down somewhere, they used to experience life without the worry and the anxiety that plagued sixes. So they think, security's my answer. The problem is it backfires because the 
there is no actual security. You can never be secure. You can never be secure. Especially in this world. Right. And so it creates what inside of the six? That knowing when they come to that, which usually isn't until midlife, uh, when they come to that, then they begin to search for some relief of that terrible agony when they that self-realization uh, manifests. Okay, great. But I, I think people need to know that we're not born our ego type. Right. We're born into another way of being, and our ego type, our personality type, is a reaction to having lost that way of being. So in the six, the ego of the six is trying to fabricate the security that it once felt yes. as connected yes. to essence yes. and soul. Yes. And That's we in that fabrication is mm-hmm. empty. It's a facsimile. Because you can't ever really feel security mm-hmm. in in a outward way in this no, world. No. It's the ego way of using thinking to Make up a way to feel secure, thinking that security will bring the sense of essence that they had when they were a child, and it's apples and oranges. Right. Good. So that gives us a basic introduction to the ego type six. The ego type six sits on the triangle and and resides in the head center on either side of that number are the numbers five and seven. Absolutely. And so what number do you want to explore next? Well, let's go with seven. Um, Seven was, um, uh, is an ego that is, um, avoids pain, avoids difficulty and hardships, avoids suffering. Um, They came into this world as little beings who uh, were very, very reflective, very wise, very contemplative. Uh, Thinking was always a very important part of them. Um, And um, uh, they were at, at one with their thoughts because their thoughts were transparent to the divine. I have the image of a uh, of a little seven uh, when they first came into the world as someone who could look up into the clouds and really experience God without even having any words to use to explain it. Um, this is where seven wants to get, and they use pleasure and overindulgence as a way to feel that oneness again that they felt as a child. Well, pleasure is wonderful, and being able to eat a lot and dance a lot and um, travel travel and binge watch or binge eat or whatever does give people a sense of they're in a cornucopia of never-ending uh, gratification. But that's not really how they felt gratification when they were a child. Their gratification was a spiritual gratification of having transparency to basically all divine knowledge. 
And when that was shut down as a child, the ego said, well, I'll find that pleasure. I'll find that good feeling again. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. And usually sevens don't see the fallacy of that till there again the ego breaks down and um, the addiction manifests or the over overindulgence manifests in ways that uh, uh, bring them to a breaking point. What and is their avoidance? They avoid pain and they avoid the suffering, which basically is a way to wisdom. Uh, they can't really ever get to that essential wisdom without going through what it is they're avoiding, which is pain, hardship, deprivation, suffering. And on the continuum of pain, yeah, you know, we can talk about, you know, very traumatic, uh, awful experiences of pain, mm -hmm. all the way down to just being in a painful situation with someone you don't want to be with. Right. And the seven can avoid pain on all levels. On all levels. Speak to that for a minute. Well, they're 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 the they're the fun people. It's there's a lot of energy, a lot of movement, a lot of let's try this, let's go here. Um, uh, you know, they're the ultimate attention deficit um, because they they have to lily pad hop from one e emotion and one setting and one thought to the other. And when things unpleasant come, they vaporize it with their thought. This is, they're in the mind center. So they will say, oh, that's not true. Or, well, let's think about this now. So they reframe it. At very well put. It's reframed so it's palatable. Um, they, they know how to vaporize something bad. Well, I don't like to go to funerals, so I won't go. Um, <clears throat> they'll understand. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I have a package coming in from Land's End, and I need to be at the house. <laughs> okay. Um, some, some of them have many more sophisticated ways of avoiding pain that look very dutiful, you know. Uh, Maybe an extra or another glass of wine to sit through this family event. There there you go. That will help me uh, to uh, endure the pain of listening to Uncle Harry tell his terribly excruciating war stories mm -hmm. of when he was wounded in World War Two or uh, any other combat. Uh, so I'll just sit here and sip while he uh, says what he needs to say. Drones on and on. Yeah. Or I've got an expense report due. I'll keep so putting it off. I'll go to the movie. Yeah, go to the movie. Okay. Yeah. It's the opening night. Yeah, I've got taxes due. You've got to there there. You've got to have a party. Mm -hmm. You know, and the invitations need to match the. There's an there's an inherent need for perfect happiness when sevens get really, really off kilter. Because their ego is trying to replicate what they felt in essence. Yes. 
which was a perfect connection to something that gave them everything they needed. Great. Good, good, good. So that leaves us in the head center with the ego type five. Right. So tell us a little bit about that ego type five. Well, ego type fives were very strong little children, very effective. We use the word word, um, soul child to explain how we were when we were children because we were in our souls, right? Uh, There was nothing else for us to be. We didn't have a developed ego. Um, The ego is very slowly developed. Um, I'm sure its development begins in the womb uh, on its very basics. Um, The developmental child psychologist French um, Jean Piaget mentioned that um, the ego is developed through two important functions. The organism assimilates information and then accommodates to it by creating various schemata or categories for every experience to fit into. And by categorizing it, it either becomes friendly information to us or information that we should be beware of or information that really is of no consequence. Those are the three major categories of information, and then it individuates out from that. But to to go back to our original question about the the uh, the child, the soul child of the five, they were very competent, strong, able-bodied, and able-minded um, children whose show was shut down. And they put on an ego that was very fearful uh, for them. The, the shutdown caused terror. And uh, they began to feel like they could construct their childhood again, their essence, uh, in a facsimile of knowledge. Um, it's sort of like you know, if you wanted to boil it down to a, to a kind of a famous quotation, knowledge is power. So they have transformed in their minds that the more they know, the more actual insulation they have from those who may threaten them. It gives them a sense of security. Yes, power. Power. Um, in a round, in a in a different way, not power to lord over people, but power to outsmart them with their mental faculties. And power to survive. Yes. So the more I know, the more I have inside of me to outwit and to outanalyze others, and also that will fill this sense of tremendous emptiness that occurred when my power was ripped out of me when it was all shut down as a soul child. So the ego five is into information, books, having as much knowledge and as much um, uh, representations of knowledge as possible. Those are called totems, things that represent in the physical world what the 
person knows uh, inside. For example, I know a man who worked for the uh, transportation system in a large city. He has all the tickets from maybe 20 years that were ever sold, and he has had storage buildings to put them in. Wow. Um, he had a totem of um, uh, a, a filing cabinet in his own home that represented all of those tickets that were actually in the, uh, the storage building he rented. And his answer is, somebody had to be the custodian of that bit of information in the world. And it was, it was I, he said. So what is the five avoiding? They're avoiding their inner emptiness. And they're avoiding people who can take their sense of autonomy and inner power away from them. And so that's why they're immense withdrawers. Okay. They like to sequester themselves usually into their own thought, their own feeling. Their worlds are usually very introverted. They're usually not out there bonding, although there are certain types of fives who are more social, which we can get to later when we deal with subtypings. But the five walks a precipice. On one side, if they fall into being too social, they fear that people are going to suck the life out of them and find out everything they know and take away their power and their autonomy and that they will be empty again. And then on the other side of the precipice that they walk or the tightrope they walk is their being alone. And their loneliness is, well, there's nobody to talk to about what they know and their loneliness gives them a sense of isolation and a sense of withering on the vine. So isolation, pure isolation, and pure being social are both anathema for them, for a, for a five. So they spend a lot of agony trying to avoid being isolated in a wholesale way or being sucked up by the crowds in a social way. And having all of their energy depleted. And having all of their energy depleted. So in the five, just, just to recap, their ego is trying to replicate what it lost. How? Through autonomy. Through, yeah. And a sense of um, knowing uh, how to move through the world in a in a knowing and powerful way. Because so when they came into the world, they were connected to this knowledge. Oh yeah, they were. They 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 naturally felt very um, powerful. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So. And they felt guided. They felt that there was um, their essential. Um, their idealized essential aspect is called guidance, which means they are trying to make sure that they know what to do and how to do it, like they did when they lived in essence with power. Now with knowledge, that gives them the power, the guidance. Great. So to recap the head center, 
we have the three ego types, the six that sits in the middle, the seven on one side, and the five on the other side. Right. They all share that basic mm -hmm. fear. Yes. And just recap for us, maybe in one or two minutes, a little bit about that head center and the three types and what they're trying to reclaim. Well, the head center doesn't want to be afraid. That's the nemesis. And what they've done is they've constructed mental constructs as a way to ward off their fears. The sixes have constructed mental constructs to build a life that they think is secure. This is to deal with anxieties about having enough insurance, having the right amount of money, having their health be secure, making sure that they're in the right groups, for example, and making sure that there may be an alpha person or, or an authority figure to take care of them. Um, the uh, seven, on the other hand, is fearful as well, but they try with their thoughts to vaporize their fears. Um, so they vaporize them through um, finding out what is pleasurable and letting their thoughts turn to all that brings them comfort and pleasure as a way to avoid pain and any kind of suffering or deprivation. So they have their thoughts sort of centered around how to look at life in such a pleasurable way that the pleasures displace the fear mentally. And the five is afraid of inner emptiness. They're afraid that they will have nothing in their core, nothing to guide them, no autonomy, no sense of inner direction and power. And what they do to compensate for that is to take in as much information as possible. They're the person who can sit with their back to the wall at Starbucks, looking at everybody and reading one book after the other and taking in not only the information in the book, but they can probably tell you about everybody in the whole coffee shop. Um, and uh, these are the people who find comfort in uh, knowledge and the fear of being empty is quelled by the amount of knowledge that they can have, which will give them the guidance that they really look to as being one of their ideals. Great. Well, that basically sums up what we wanted to discuss today about the head center and the ego types that are within that head center. Isn't it interesting that no ego type really started off life the way they end up life in their ego? Well, that's good news because we're going to learn how to get back to our essence. In a non-facsimile way. Right. In a way that doesn't create it falsely and a false self. Right. And gives us some answers for how to deal with our suffering. Yes. Whether it be great suffering or whether it just be uh, the small, daily, uh, monotonous sufferings. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And we will. We want to ask our listeners to return again to hear our next podcast where we'll dive a little more deeply into the Heart Center 
the feeling center, and then also uh, the body center, which is also the gut center. Very good. Great. Thank you, Dr. Howe. Thank you, Erica. Thank you for being with us today. Check out our website at www.theicb.org. That's T-H-E-I-C-B dot O-R-G. If you have questions you would like to have answered on this podcast, just email us at the address on our website, theicb.org, under Contacts. And if you would like to attend one of the conferences or other events of the Institute for Conscious Being, you will find these presentations on our website under Events.